hello, hello, hello. Good day, everyone. How are you? How are you? I hope that you had a fantastic day and you're ready to relax and wind down with Miss Bailey on Miss Bailey's Chronicles tonight. Tonight, our topic is about resilience and facing adversity and hurdling them. You know, there is a lot of self-help books, a lot of motivational speakers out there, a lot of Bible scriptures that speak to carrying on and perseverance and actually going through life, even if it is rough, with a joy in your spirit and a song in your heart. And some of us, even though there is all this encouragement, still feel defeated. Many a times there are persons who have tried their best. Who have put all efforts into getting things to work according to how it's supposed to work yet trouble comes and you feel defeated there are many times when you have followed every step that was laid out for success every single i was dotted every single t was crossed and yet success didn't come success didn't show up Life seems to take all your efforts, bundle it together, and give you a big fat F for failure. If you've ever had that feeling, whether it is at work, whether it's in your family, or whether it's just your own personal efforts, I'm here to let you know that resilience is basically what you need. Never give up. Never quit when you're not sure how close you are to winning. The devil is a liar. And I'm not about to preach to you, but I'm about to let you understand that things in life that are out of your hands, out of your control, it is set up in such a way that these things make you feel like an absolute failure when there is nothing else that you humanly possible could have done to actually attain success. It's almost as if many a times when I meet someone who has had trials, who has basically given up on trying, I realize that they got to the point where they weren't able to go around or through the problem independently and as such they have stopped but they did not seek divine intervention at that point because there are many times in life when you will do your best but in order for it to get to that successful state to that successful realm you need divine intervention and as such you need to pray some of the times we forget to pray before we even embark on these adventures. We did not seek the Almighty's presence in coming forth and assisting us to be successful. And as such, the challenge even seemed more challenging because we are going at it alone. So what do we mean when we speak about resilience? Resilience is basically the ability to overcome challenges quickly, to basically have that spirit 
that can process challenging situations and basically come out of them quickly. Um, some of us, we assume failure too quick. In other words, yes, you are making all the attempts and all the plans and all the efforts in doing this project, in facing this adversity. And before it is that you can hit your stride on your way to success, you assume failure. I can give an example. I am actually in the midst of organizing an event. And I had some persons who were to come in and assist me with that event. A couple days before the event, I got a phone call from them saying that there is something else that they were called to do on that day. And they explained what it was. And it's out of their control. They are unable to avoid not going. So they have to break the bad news to me. And I said to the person that because I know your team and I know the support that you have always given, it's okay. God will work out someone else. As a matter of fact, I had asked an extra person to come on to assist me along with you guys coming to assist. So right now I'm going to see if I can get someone else, another second or third person to assist because you would have been um, the majority of my help. And in the same breath, you can see on the lady's face that she was truly troubled because she had promised me from the onset. And I went over and I said to her, listen, I don't think you're hearing me. We are good because if it was that this situation did not come up, I know you would have been there for me. And God will work it out. Don't feel no way about it. And she said, well, I am going to help you right up to the day. I will just not be present. And I said, even in that, I am grateful for what you can do. That is okay. Don't feel as if I am thinking anything else or if the circumstance is anything else more than what it is. Any one out of the two of us can get called at any minute to do anything else apart from what we had planned because there is this old saying in jamaica <laughs> uh, mana plan and gotta destroy I, I i think that's how it's going or if you want to see god laugh just tell him what you have planned there are so many times when we have all these plans and we think that everything is going to go perfectly well and a monkey wrench drop right in the midst of it and we don't know how to recover because it's devastating but i am here to say resilience yes the devastation is there yes the challenge came up at the most inopportune time but look at this there is life so there is hope there is challenges but there is success. We must always, always, always. It's difficult. So don't think that because I'm using the word always. It affects us all the time. I'm using the words always because 
in every adversity, we must always try and fight our way through to the other side. In other words, if you sit down in a challenge and not try to work your way out of it, you are only living in the moment of trouble. You're only living with adversity. You're only living with the disappointment. You will never be able to feel the joy of your efforts if you stop along the way of life. I remember <laughs> being at a, a doctor's office and I was sitting in the waiting room and uh, one of the ladies that came out, she stood at the counter, the reception counter, and she said, oh my God, I'm so tired of this thing. I just want to be happy. And I held my head down because I was thinking, um, you just want to be happy. But I never said anything. Just kind of just held my head down. And then she started to say to the lady across the counter that... She started to say to the lady across the counter that every minute I feel like say life just a try kill me. Every time I want happy and I feel like I got happy, something just happened and I can't happy. You ever have that feeling there yet? And without even thinking, I, I was like, yup. And she turned around and she looked at me and she said, you don't look like you have no problem. <laughs> And I smiled. I said, why would you say that? She said, no, you don't look like somebody will have a problem. You don't look like you have no problem. My teller said, I'm, I'm just sick of this, sick of this. And I said to her, do you mind if I ask what are you sick of? She said, well, I run some tests. They weren't conclusive. And then I had to get retested. And yes, the news good because it's not what the doctors and I thought it was so I am grateful for that but all that money and all that testing and all this rigmarole I'm just sick of it it's like every time I try to do something something else comes up so I have to stop what I am doing and go at that again and I'm just tired so I said okay so you are allowed to be tired nothing is wrong with that and you're allowed to be sick of situations and you're allowed to be feeling the way you feel but can I ask you a question are you saying to me that throughout all that you have been through there is nothing that you were happy for there was never a moment through the trial that brought you happiness now that it seems like you're at the end of the road and everything is turning out well you're telling me at this point there is still not room for happiness because you said yes everything has worked out and your first comment was that you just won't be happy and I'm saying isn't there a moment in today to be happy and the lady turned around and said you wouldn't understand and then I said to her if I start to tell you my story you would understand that looking at me and saying to me that I have no problem at all I look like someone that doesn't have problem would probably bring tears to your eye. And the nurse, the reception that receptionist that was at the counter said to me, 
Janice. She wouldn't want no. And I look up at her and I said, one of the things in order to face these challenges that you must continuously practice is gratefulness. Every little success, every little light, every little effort, every little good news becomes a big, big show of gratefulness in your spirit, in your action, in how you relate to others, in how you face your day. And that in itself provides happiness that creates joy. That joy is unexplainable to others because nobody facing your circumstance should ever even smile because that's what the devil intended for you to live in that moment of despair and doubt. He can't read your mind. He has no control over your mind unless you allow him. So when you continuously to defeat these negative things that he tries to put into your mind and into your situation, eventually he has to turn to other things. And I said to her, this here right now is a moment that you should have a different energy altogether because your outcome right now is positive your outcome right now is the outcome you wanted and expected the trial that you went through to get to this outcome is in the past and the outcome right now is in the present why are you not happy i would leave here i said to her and the first stop i would make is at a place that i enjoy eating from and i would find me some happy food i don't care what that happy food is it might be something that if you have it today, you have to drink plenty water tonight and tomorrow. Miss Bailey's Chronicles is saying, you get that moment to live. Find something that makes you happy, or should I say happier, and live in that moment. Because when the negative come and there is no moment or space, because of all the turmoil that is taking place. You have to draw on a memory. You have to draw on something from the past. You have to draw on somebody's testimony in order to hurdle over that situation. So when the situation is positive, live in it. Be excited. Be joyous. Be grateful in the situation and move on. There are stories that I'm going to share in tonight's episode from Miss Bailey's Chronicles, of course, a part of Miss Bailey's personal chronicle. And I would just like each and every listener out there to remember the word of tonight, resilience. Because resilience in itself is not really something they can teach you on a blackboard in a classroom. It's an experience that you have to go through that at the end, you can say, I was resilient. It did not get the best of me. So it's not something I can give you a badge. And I only give you a badge because I look at you and say, yes, you look like somebody who is resilient. It doesn't work like that. It comes through action. It comes through dedication. It is seen based upon your own personal testimony. And I'm saying everyone listening today, everyone out there, you have the power to be resilient. It's just what do you want to do with that power? 
All right, we're going to break right now and then we're going to come back in a few minutes. Well, not a few minutes on podcast land. We'll be back in a few seconds with Miss Bailey's Chronicles and we're talking about resilience. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Miss Bailey's Chronicles. And tonight's topic that we're on is resilience, of course. So we said we are going to share some examples, um, which are personal examples of how you have to hurdle resilience, or should I say channel resilience, um, throughout life consistently. So in about 2016, I wasn't feeling well. Uh, I mean, I've had anemia for quite some time and I've been down and up and down. But in 2016, I was in my apartment and I woke up to go to the bathroom and I was struck by pain. There was no one there. The pain was so bad. I could not even make it off the toilet bowl. There was an excruciating pain in my lower abdomen and I sat there crunching over on the toilet, crunching, crunching. And I said, this don't make no sense. Maybe it's gas pain. When I eventually... When I eventually made it off the toilet bowl and made it onto the floor because trying to stand up was very difficult. I could not straighten up and I kind of pulled myself over, pulled myself over until I got to the foot of the bed and I reached over to the nightstand and I took my phone down and I messaged my sister. And when I look, I saw that this was after 3 a.m. in the morning. And I messaged my sister. And I remember when she called me back, like, a few minutes after, she said she was, she got up to go to the bathroom also. And she called me back and she said, what happened to you? And I said, I can't move. I can't straighten up. I can't walk. I don't know what is happening. I feel, I feel like every time I try to straighten up, there's just this pain and the pain is running from my abdomen to my back and right down into my, my butt section. I'm just, I can't straighten up. I don't know what is this. She said, Lord Jesus, then what can happen there now? I said, I don't know because even if I call for help, no one is going to hear me. I live in a penthouse and it don't make no sense. If I scream, I don't think anybody would hear me. And I said to her, I'm way, I'm upstairs because it's split level. So I'm upstairs. And even if you come, how am I going to get down the stairs for you to come inside? Because the door has deadlocks. So I am trapped. And I laid there on the floor for about an hour two hours close to morning and uh, she said boy try and see if you can just relax little and then make see if we can come but mr twice as a matter of fact don't come because we we weren't born and raised in a one of those upscale communities it's a inner city community i must say even in a that same bread there 
me I say, me think say, me, it no make sense. My sister will come out because I don't know if me can get up. So anyways, she was there messaging me on the phone, message her back. I'm still lay down in a, that crunch position on the floor. You know, until you have a pain, ladies, and you decide that you're not moving. <laughs> yes, it was one of those moments, and I decided I'm not moving. And I was just lying there. By lying there, good thing about my, my apartment floor, um, it was wooden, so it wasn't that bad in terms of being on a cold concrete. It was a wooden floor. So I lay down there, crunched up, and said to myself, said, Lord Jesus, this can't be it. But while laying down there, I remembered a couple of things. I had fibroids, and the doctor had said to me that these fibroids, they remain in a small state and till they're ready to grow. And when they're ready to grow, they can cause different problems. I think the word used was degenerate they can change and i said lord i wonder if that is it because sometimes they may get smaller and sometimes they may get bigger so in this case i didn't know i was just in pain which they do cause pain sometimes they even cause infertility fibroids i did a segment with um for health report talking about my experience with fibroids and I'm telling you, for ladies out there, it is not normal. Go and get help. It's not normal. It's not cancer, but it's not normal. It is better to have a doctor that is experienced handling you if you find out that you have fibroids than to try and go at it with a regular doctor. It's something that may not kill you, but it's something that causes circumstances that might kill you. So with that, I'm just putting that in and just saying from Miss Bailey's Chronicles right now, as a young lady that had to deal with fibroids, I would advise any woman out there that has that situation to go and get help from a specialist. Anyway, back to my, 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 my chronicle. <laughs> so um, while I was there, the pain kind of subdued and this uh, in the morning hours now after just being there on the floor. When I went downstairs, crawled downstairs, the first thing I did was to unlock the door. And I messaged my sister and I said to her, if you come, the door is unlocked, you can just come in. And then I went over to the sofa and I was in the sofa for the rest of the morning until she came. And then I said, no, I'm going to go see my doctor and figure out what is what. So when I went to the doctor and he said, last ultrasound we did, we saw these fibroids and they were X centimeters, Y centimeters. Now I don't work with them measurements there. No. Miss Bailey and Miss Bailey's Chronicles is telling you that. I'm very interactive with my do doctors. And I will say anybody who has doctors out there, you have a very good interaction with them by having questions for them, by, you know, encouraging them to take your health seriously some of us we go in and whatever they say that's it and we leave and when we leave we still have a hundred questions in our mind and if we did ask them this and we wonder and then we go away and we try to 
come up with a, a, a solution on her own, even though the doctors made recommendations, but you weren't comfortable with the recommendations, but you're out there sitting down asking yourself 100 questions when you were sitting down in front of the professional. I don't get it. I've had friends that uh, experienced that and friends that said to me, say, you know, I went to the doctor today, but I don't understand. And I'm like, but while you were there, you should have asked your questions because when you spend an hour, an hour and a half waiting to go inside to see your doctor to pay this money, you come out in five minutes and that was your choice. It's not the doctor to blame. That was your choice because you, you weren't prepared mentally. And even though when you are prepared mentally and you go in there, you have nothing to say. You just want the person to tell you everything about you. You need to say, well, doc, you know, my toe hurt me last week. You know, my knee hurt me this week. You know, I didn't feel good when I ate. It is your right to tell the doctor everything, you know, everything. They ask you. Some of them are not even hurrying you to leave. Some of them are actually there trying to pull information out of you to see what kind of testing they should advise you to do in order to know how to direct you. But you go in there, you said, you may not feel so well, you know. What is me not feel so well? What is it? What is me not feel so well? What, what, how the doctor is going to use me not feel so well to determine what's happening with you? You have to take personal notes mentally or on paper about what is happening to you medically so when time you go in to see the doctor you can have a conversation that makes sense you're in there wasting time and money and your body or whatever their situation is is not going to explain itself so what is it this is just something from miss bailey's chronicles encouraging everybody who is going to see a doctor to just get your head in the right place and have a, a have a good conversation so that you can move on. Anyhow, my doctor's used to me, so them know my style. So I went to see my, my doctor. My doctor said, you know, Janice, we think the fibroids, that's what's causing the trouble and blah, blah, blah. Automatically, because we know they were there, we just figured they were too small to be anybody right now. The heavy periods were there, and when I say heavy ladies, let me tell you, it's a period heavy. When this a girl I buy stay free and pads, I don't buy normal stay free and pads. I don't know if people out there have this experience, but ladies, when I am buying, I buy always overnight. I buy always maxi. So that's the one that comes in the green and the big purple ones, the ones that come all the way up to your bottom. Because depending on where I am or what I'm going to be doing, I need to have those two packs of maxi ready for outdoor. And then I have to buy the green one because when the cycle kind of taper down a little bit, while other women would be wearing liners. I can't wear liners because coming on to day three and day four, but still have a cycle. And day three and day four should have been the day that the cycle is weaning down, not weaning down for Miss Bailey. Still have a cycle. So when other women would be in liners, I couldn't be in liners. My inner the green always. That one that I reach from there. And the green one is still the long one. So after me get through the green one now, me go to the yellow one. 
period not done yet up to day five, you know. And then there's a section between day three and day four. It's like a faucet that switches on and then clots come falling out. Now, this may sound a way to some people. You know, if this is not your cup of tea, you know, you can bow out right now. No problem. And you may be wondering, how does this tie into resilience? I'm getting to that. But I am sharing a personal experience in what was happening with me. And I'm telling you, if I didn't find strength to get out of that situation, and if I didn't say, God, help me, that situation would have carried me. When I went to my doctor and he said to me that, you know, I understand what's happening, blah, blah, blah. Let us do some further testing. We need to put you on some extra iron pills. Let's do a blood count and everything. We did a blood count test. We did the ultrasound. We picked up that the fibroids, they kind of increased. Before, they were probably the size of cherry where you pick off a tree. Or maybe a little bit bigger than a cherry or grape. And then now, when we went back and we did the testing now, the doctor was saying he saw where... They, when he looked at the centimeter and everything, he said about the size of an orange, not a big, big orange, but the orange. And I said to him, he said, but it's not like my belly big or anything. He says, it's in the wall of the uterus. So at that point in time, now I said, no, this thing, no, I'm not even like how it's shaping up to be. When the blood results came back, my count was 4.5. So he also says, that your count, because over the years, having dealing with these fibroids, my count has been, it, it was never at a 10. It was at a 8, or it was at a 7, or it was at a 8 again, and then it goes to a 7. But because of the heavy bleeding, it was not happening. The way your count should be 12 and 13, ladies, up, that, up in those double numbers. Mine was always, when I was leaving college, it was 9, bad and not too bad and then it stuck at eight for years and then it went to six and then we kind of go back to eight and then it just fell in that moment when I was going through that to a 4.5 my doctor recommended some iron pills and some other things and then we had this discussion and we left at the time I was operating my beauty salon and I was working after the results, I was working on somebody's pedicure and the person says to me, Janice, you are breathing heavily and the only thing you did was to get up and go over to that counter. Are you sure you're okay? And I said to her, I said, um, I know I normally um, get tired moving in between, but it's not, you know, <laughs> it's not anything... Um, on you know not normal for me to breathe heavy now and then she said no but my sit down over here and i had a huge pedicure chair now so she's up into this big um chair and i'm way down to her foot and she's hearing me breathe and she says don't sound good sound like you're extremely tired and you're you're trying to catch breath and so i said to her you know i forget say yeah doctor you know forget sometimes say a doctor because this is my friend me and I roll out from college days if you're on if you're listening if you're tuning in big up yourself Dr. McFarlane yeah oh sorry yeah, missus well oh, your friend forget your married name no, no hold me too no no hunger me too rough but yeah 
big up yourself. And I took the results out of my bag and gave it to her. And when I gave it to her and she looked at it, she said, no, you need to be at an ER. A doctor saw this. I said, yes. She said, this is an ER case, you know. Either a blood transfusion would have come your way <laughs> or some form of admittance. She, she said, you all are driving up and down with a blood count. I said, I drive go everywhere. I mean, drive myself. She said, no, no, Jan. Take my advice. I'm going to make you try something. Just go over Andrews because my salon wouldn't, was not far from Andrews Hospital. And she said, just go over Andrews and show them. Now, mind you, my doctor is a good doctor. I'm not saying anything offensive about him. It's, it's just that based on the fact that I had chronic anemia and he's been my doctor for years, he was giving me his recommendation. Anyway, I went to Andrews and when I went, I took our advice, lock up shop when I was finished doing her and I go up to Andrews. And when I go up to Andrews, the first question out of the nurse that was at triage was that, are these your results? And I kind of knitted my brow and I said, yes, they're my results. So you're Janice Bailey? I said, yes, I'm Janice Bailey. She says, there's someone else here with you? I said, no, I came by myself. I drove here. She said, you are driving? I said, yes. She says, do you have dizzy spells or fainting? I said, no, I don't have dizzy spells or fainting. I remember the conversation so vividly. She said, you don't have dizzy spells or fainting. She said, you have moments where you block out? I said, no, I don't have moments that I block out. She said, do you have challenge breathing? I said, well, to be honest, um, it's not like I hear myself sometimes. It's now that person's, especially just now, somebody was saying to me, I am breathing heavily. She said, stay right here. And she went. She left the room and she came back with a doctor. And when she came back to with a doctor, it's not like the doctor came and said, oh, come to my office. The doctor came over to triage and the doctor had the results in her hand. And the doctor come in and look at me and she said, you're Janice Bailey. <laughs> I'm laughing now, but guys, bear with me. This is the sequence. I said, yes, I'm Janice Bailey. She said, you see the results on these? You got them what? About two weeks ago? She said, yes. She said, and have you seen your doctor since then? I said, yes. And she said to me, sir, and what your doctor recommend? I said, um, he put me on some um, more iron tablets and things. You're not, do you still see a cycle? I said, yes. She said, miss, let me tell you something right now. You're playing around. This is not good. I don't know if he told it to you like that, but this is not a good report. This kind of report, you can be running and doing extra activities and it causes you to shut down. One of the things is that your body right now is not getting enough oxygen. You are not getting enough oxygen. So you see that little outer breath, that heavy breathing. If you should overexert yourself, you can collapse and die. So what exactly is it? that your doctor plans on doing because you need to rectify this low hemoglobin and based on the fact that you're having a cycle and i'm assuming that your cycle is heavy i said yes they're very heavy you know i don't see this going up unless there is a plan of action i only see this going down further 
And based upon how pale you are right now, have you seen yourself? I said, but you know, I've been pale for some time now. She said, I believe you. Based upon how pale you are, I don't think that iron pills are going to cut it at this point. So what is the plan of action from your doctor? I said, well, he basically gave me the pills and we spoke about my fibroid. She said, why didn't you cut out the fibroids? I said, we we talked on that, but we never really came up with any plan and things. So the lady, this doctor here, she was just straight to the point. She said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You You need a nutritional plan. You need a surgical plan. And you need a plan on how to control the bleeding. So I don't know if you want to go on birth controls. I don't know if you want to just go straight into surgery. But these blood counts can't do nothing with you. It has to be rectified. So this can't go surgery. So you might consider doing a blood transfusion. A. Right away. And once your count goes up, then they might have to go in and remove those fibroids. Forget about whatever they're saying, size and all of that. Remove them because they are the ones that are affecting you. And based on your results, there's more than one. And you have cysts. And when they go in, that will determine what they're taking out. And then she said, and then three, then you rebuild your body and you keep your nutrition up. And to how she spoke to me, my doctor didn't talk to me like that. Sometimes a different person comes in, a different uh, mindset, a different eye comes into a situation and everything now is unfolded, which is what that doctor did. And in that moment, I said, what is this God? And then she looked at me and said, you know, I'm not releasing you. We're admitting you to the hospital. And I said, what? I don't have anything with me. She said, I can't release you because you come in with this kind of blood results. We need to have some explanation and we need to admit you. So I'm going to call your doctor. I'll be right back. Anyhow, long and short of it, she went and she called my doctor. She spoke with him and then she came back. She started writing notes. She started to explain to me what my doctor said to her. And then she said to me, if we're releasing you, we're releasing you because of what your doctor said. But my advice to you otherwise is to make your way Make your way to your doctor as soon as possible and get in contact with him or you come back and see us or make your way to a hospital. The only reason we are releasing you, we don't have a bed right now, which I remember her saying that. And she's saying to me that we spoke to your doctor and this is chronic anemia. So you, your body has been functioning at this level of dysfunction for years. And right now, he is going to get in contact with you and you guys will work out the plan of action. And she spoke to me. And after she spoke to me, I left. And when I left there, I was so unsettled. A friend was there with me because I had called up a, a friend at that time. I was so unsettled that mentally 
I didn't know what to do. I was like, I never imagined this thing to get to this point. Um, fear started to set in because I was saying, imagine I could have been driving and that would have been it. Imagine I could have been run up and down in my shop out of breath. I remember one of the explanation that another doctor gave to me is like, when you have these low blood counts, it's like a car engine overheating. He asked me if I enjoy eating ice and I said, yes, I eat a lot of ice. He says people who have anemia because your body needs to be cooled down, you know, like the engine that gets hot. That's why they're drawn to eating the ice cube because your body now, a regular body would spend less time pushing blood around the body that when you are anemic, your organ, your heart spends more effort pushing the blood around the body that you're overheating. So you have to be consuming something cold. So you're drawn to the ice to try and cool you down. Notice if you get into a situation where the climate change, even when everybody else around you is complaining for heat, you say, oh, you are extremely cold. And that used to happen to me when I travel. I used to keep on saying, oh my God, I'm shaking and I'm trembling and I'm cold. And people used to say, and oh, you're cold so fast. Uh, a lizard blood you have? Uh, what I go on with you while you shake so, eh? And not even, it not even cold yet. I just look at the November so and it cool. Or them say, what go on? You have on three, four layer clothes and not even good winter. And I know I was anemic, but I didn't know all these uh, things that happen when you are anemic. And I'm telling you, when I had to tunnel through that, because I had to go through a three-month regiment in order to get to the surgery to build up my count. And that's another time for Miss Bailey's Chronicles. But to press on through that... Because not only were there those fibroids causing me to be anemic, those fibroids were causing infertility. And that's another part of the story. But I pushed through all of that, all of that, that mindset. I have never done an operation. And I trusted God that he knew exactly what I needed. And he was going to find a way for me to get everything I needed. And that is resilience, looking at an adverse situation, a challenge, and then coming out of it so quickly that you feel as if divine powers were working in your favor. Not feel, you know. Me know for myself. And I tell nobody else um, listening to Miss Bailey's Chronicles, say you have to know where me know. But I know what I know, that that situation, it could have gone so terribly wrong. And when I look at it today, I feel blessed. I'm grateful. I'm happy. I speak to a lot of young ladies about handling fibroids. And the mere fact that it is something for us to all learn from. If your body is telling you something then we should listen to our bodies and try and find out as best as possible what is happening. And in everything, we should be grateful that there are people around who are able to assist us. 
I mean, I'll give you the other <laughs> parts of the story. But for now, guys, if there's a hurdle in front of you, just take a minute to examine what exactly it is that you're going through. And then take another minute and find someone who can assist you. Find the right persons, have the right conversations, and get out of that situation. May you have a fantastic night. I know you haven't heard from me in a while, but as usual, this is Miss Bailey and this is Miss Bailey's Chronicles. Love, peace, joy, and blessing. Stay resilient. The world will always have a challenge for you. It's how you face it that matters. May you have a fantastic night again. Love you. Get ready. Stay tuned. We'll be back next Wednesday. Anytime after 6 p.m. Enjoy. <laughs>